0: Welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, where we will explore the local arts culture and community in the Lehigh Valley. We'll be doing this through conversations with individual artists, administrators, and organizations. We'll discuss all types of mediums with the goal of enriching local arts culture.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. Today, we are recording live at Godfrey Daniels with Ramona Labar, the Managing Director.
0: Hi, Ramona. Hello. <laughs> thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show and for letting us come record here.
2: I'm so happy to be here and to have all of you in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a cool recording space.
0: Thank you. I, I mean, I can't pick favorites, but like this is a pretty awesome place to
2: record. <laughs> it's also got a little bit of history of an actual studio recording space for music. Oh, mm-hmm. Really? Yep. J- at Jason Reef has been in, in here from Freestone. Oh, okay. Studios he's been yeah. in here uh, more than once with you know, it gives a live feel to recordings, and that's mm-hmm. so we've done some of that definitely. Very cool.
0: Well, let's start off with um, your position here and kind of how you got your start in the Lehigh Valley.
2: Okay, well, <laughs> um i I'm the managing director, and i'm I'm very fortunate to be in that position. I did not strive to that position. I just happened to be the right place at the right time. I started attending concerts soon after I moved to the Lehigh Valley in 1986 and within uh, three visits I uh, answered the call to volunteer so I started pouring coffee and ushering and um, by the 90s I was invited to help with the mailing list which was gargantuan at that time because they were simply taking uh, names and addresses on a sign up for every show and they'd been (laughs) doing that since Mm -hmm. the beginning and um and then in the 90s i joined the board of directors and things just developed and here i am today and it's quite an honor to be affiliated with this this organization in this space so you're not
0: traditionally from the Lehigh Valley area, correct?
2: No. I moved here from Texas by way of one year in Boston, so quite a shift. I love it here. <laughs> I love the Four Seasons. I just love everything about the Lehigh Valley. Hmm. Wonderful, really.
1: How soon after moving to the Lehigh Valley did that uh, that position, volunteering here, start?
2: Uh, I'm, we'll say within a year. And, uh, so, like most volunteers, I started volunteering. I you know, I came when I could. It might have been once or twice a month. Sure. Um, but I immediately connected with the other volunteers and staff who were here. We all have a love of good music <laughs> and um, you know, the uh, the desire to support the artists who are on the road touring, and the artists of uh, that certain caliber. Um, You know, the first time I came here, I came to see a semi-music star by the name of Nancy Griffith. Um, But when I walked in to buy my tickets and I looked up at this wall of upcoming artists, I didn't recognize any other name that was up there, only Nancy's. Um, But it didn't take long to to learn that um, this is something that my eyes were open to You know, the the music business is not only about the the artists on the top 40 (laughs) lists on the radio. (laughs) A lot of artists, talented artists, make their living touring on the road, selling their music, um, making friends, building their audience. And so it's just a very, uh, very cool space. It didn't take me long to figure that out. I became close friends and I'm still uh, one of my closest friends is Cindy Dinsmore. She's one of the founders of the club. She and Dave started, opened the club in 1976, and she's certainly still around. She, she actually um, uh, made her career in women's health, Uh, but she's uh, a very close friend, and it's, it's actually quite like a family.
0: That's awesome. So most of the, there's still a pretty good volunteer
2: base here. The volunteer heyday, I'll say, was back in the 90s. We had um, a larger crew, and we had Uh, seven or eight volunteers who were dedicated to managing the club Mm -hmm. um, which means they were here running shows they were making sure the shows were staffed and we had a lot more events going on every week back then Um, and so they were on like a rotation of every seven or eight weeks and each you know they would take a week and just cover it and make sure everything was um, was taken care of and then at that point Cindy was making sure All the supplies were stocked, the coffee Mm -hmm. and baked goods and that kind of thing. Um, So today we have a a pretty good volunteer crew. We can always use more volunteers. Um, And, you know, we're open to training. The the club has evolved uh, into a a paid staff such as myself. The sound techs are now, um, uh, they receive a, a stipend. And we have event coordinators who actually come in and run the shows from start to finish. They greet the artists, and uh, they're here for any of the the volunteer staff who might need help finding the paper towels and that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, They host the artists. They make sure the artist gets their meals. They stage manage, so they make sure – by coordinating with the sound tech and the artists, what time we're going on, how long is the set, is there a break? If so, how long, when do we get back on for the second set, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the event coordinators are also now uh, part-time paid staff. And we the organization had not done that before 2019. Wow. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we new. were running <laughs> yeah. strictly on volunteers all those years. Wow, especially given is,
1: pandemic time. That's yeah. not a long time at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. So, I mean, it's what we had to do. People, particularly, you know, when I talk about this core group of volunteers from the 90s, by the way, that group gets together about once a year just for a Aww. reunion. They're <laughs> not, not you know, awesome. they've gone on, had their families and their careers and all that, um, but they're not volunteering for us anymore but it was a very close-knit group of friends we used to go festival camping together Mm -hmm. and (laughs) camping in the Poconos and just do things together as a group it was very much like family really like siblings so that's awesome yeah and we're still close our lives have just you know spread spread out some from what it used to be but (laughs) I feel very rich in uh, in those friendships so
0: very good, well, one of the things that you said that I thought was kind of cool and something that I also feel like maybe my eyes were opened to um in the similar vein was these like artists that maybe aren't they're not household names, they're not people that you see on social media or anywhere else a lot of the time um but that have like a super dedicated following. There was one group that was in here maybe a year or two. Probably like two years ago, um, and I can't remember their name, but they, there was like. 20 people that just waited like an endless amount of time in the lobby, like waiting to talk to them at the end. They're like, Oh, I caught your show in Philly last night and I'm going to your show up in Boston tomorrow night. And I was like, that's so cool. Like this consistent, like, and all of the people that were waiting in line, like knew each other from following other shows. And it's just, it's so cool. Like what a cool like community that's built around an individual artist's career.
2: Who that is. Um, So over the decades, Obviously, there have been many changes, numerous. Um, One thing that's changed noticeably is in the early years, Godfrey's was, it still is a community hub, but in the 70s and 80s, in a different way, it was a place where people would come and it didn't matter who was on the stage. They knew it was going to be good music and that's, that's all attributed to Dave Fry. He booked the club for the first 25 years. And you knew that, no matter who was playing, you were going to be treated to some incredible music. I mean, the Red Clay Ramblers played here back in the day. Peter Rowan played here. And if these names aren't familiar to your listeners, I invite you to look them up. <laughs> David Grisman played here. Uh, the Fairfield Four. Um, Towns Van Zant, Guy Clark. And these are all giants in... Uh, that level of the music industry and mm. and people, you know, they've they've influenced many of the artists today. But back then, you you could show up at Godfrey's and you would run into your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, and it just it was just this. Everybody knew everybody. Um, that developed into, I would say, in the last twenty years, it became more of our audience became more people who were following their favorite artists to the room. Sure, and with mm-hmm. the internet and all of that information out there, they could do that um, so that's that's been an interesting thing to witness change. but still, we have those nights, say when Ann Hills is playing here <laughs> um or certain artists like Anne, when everybody in here knows everybody else from working together or um You know, again, what I said before, neighbors, co-workers, friends, and as you say, fans of the same artist. Sure, They all know each other. And so it's very much a community space in that way and kind of unique in that way.
1: When it comes to booking and and choosing who you would like to book, how has that shifted and changed over the years?
2: That that has changed (laughs) quite a bit. And uh, (laughs) I'm going to say our uh, former... uh, uh, an immediate past board president, Dina Hall, was involved with the club for 12 or 13 years. And so with her graphic design gifts and just her, and she's also a singer-songwriter, a locally well-known um, singer-songwriter, she, she brought a certain uh, touch to the club. And part of that, she and I worked very closely together Um And she helped to guide the booking here to uh, the place where we achieved gender parity in the fall of 2018. And we had been working toward that. Yeah. So we maintain that a 50-50. Oh, that's awesome. But I was ignorant of that until Dina talked to me about it. Mm. And so I really give her credit for that. And it's kind of important. You know, kind of, and, and it's uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I will say that the um, the artists who come through, and particularly some of the uh, the women artists, have looked up on that wall and said, "Wow, there's like, you know, they really noticed the balance totally. that's up there." So, um, so that's one way it's changed. That's uh, huge. Sig- that's a significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of artists are repeaters; they're in here every year. Such as right now, what's going on? We have we just had Chris Smith here this past weekend. John Gorka's coming, and John Gorka is our homeboy. Um, he got his start here. Uh, um, our scheduling has slowed down quite a bit because of the pandemic, and we're primarily presenting on Fridays and Saturdays now. Occasional Sunday and Thursday for artists with a proven draw in our room. We don't. Mm-hmm. We, it's hard to have a to debut an artist here on a Thursday or a Sunday because if, if um, people aren't that familiar with them, sure, they're not as likely to come out on a school sure, night. Sure. I don't know. If somebody's coming to my town one time and I wouldn't get a chance to see them for another year, I would stay up late to go see <laughs> them on a school night. But not everybody feels feels that way. So, um, uh, So, and we reach out, you know, we're looking for, Younger artists, artists newer on the scene um, who are making an impact and making some headlines. We get requests all the time and we simply don't have enough nights on our schedule Mm -hmm. to have everybody Mm -hmm. who we would like to have in. Uh, But we keep trying.
0: Is there anyone over the last um, couple years since you've been striving towards that goal, is there anyone that has just, like, super stuck out to you that you've been really excited about?
2: Carsey Blanton is (laughs) on fire. And Carsey was in here, so she opened our season on September 10th. Um, But she had actually been in the club mm, five or seven years before that. Um, And actually I knew Carsey from – there are conventions <laughs> of folk music, <laughs> and uh, and I was actually very active in in a couple of those organizations. But I knew Carsey from those. I would see her there, mm. and um, I've always loved what she was doing. But she really exploded in my mind during the pandemic, mm. Mm. and uh, I just I just love everything about her, and she is a real standout. And I cannot wait for her return in twenty twenty two. And everybody, she sold out the show. I mean, (laughs) right now we're at limited capacity of 60. But everybody who was coming to see her was just in love with her and couldn't wait to see (laughs) her, and and she did it. It was fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear.
0: One of the things that I'm curious about, because I asked you before we started recording uh, if you were a musician or not, and you said you weren't, but you'd taken some lessons. Um, But you have this career built around supporting Musicians and artists and people that are so passionate about this. So, I'm curious where your passion for this really comes from. I Mm. think
2: that comes from my uh, childhood. My daddy was a singer songwriter, and I did not know that term at the time, but he recorded (laughs) a half a dozen 45s in the very early 1960s, country and western. And I knew he wrote the songs, but I didn't hear the term singer songwriter until I came to Godfrey's mm. and, and joined this community. Um, but one day, it occurred to me, man, my dad was a singer songwriter, <laughs> and he had a band. And so, besides that, and you know, m- my mom would drag all four of us <laughs> little kids <laughs> to you know whatever venue children were allowed in. And I definitely hit some honky-tonks when I was like six years old. <laughs> that was my daddy up on the bandstand. But um, but also a lot of AM radio back then. Uh, my mom had it on in the kitchen every morning, and it was in the, on in the car all the time. So whatever, you know, top 40 hits, we knew. And and one of my friends asks me to this day, do you know this song? Do you know this song? I was like, yeah it was on the radio, <laughs> of course, I know that song um so yeah it was uh that I would have to say that made quite an impression. My mother mm. was always singing along with the radio and and we did a lot of that too. um I learned something really interesting about my dad that I didn't know while he was alive. uh Bill Kirchin likes to come and play Godfrey's. I don't know if you guys know who Bill is mm. um. He was in a band called Commander Cody and the Lost Planet Airmen and they had a big hit on the radio at least one but the one I remember was in around 1970 or so. And um so he does solo work now and he he lives in Texas. He's actually I think originally from Maryland in the DC area but he he lives in Texas now and um so I don't know we get after the show one night when he was here we got talking about my history and my dad, and this came up, and and he, and he said, your dad recorded? What label was he on? And I said, the York <laughs> Brothers. And he said, Lesson George York, the York Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out that the York Brothers were a recording, touring brothers duo uh, in the same. Their peers were like the Leuven Brothers, who were very famous in country and western circles. Um, so they were popular I'm going to say in the 50s, roughly, the York Brothers before that. Because the York Brothers are from Kentucky. They toured the country and recorded. And then they went, they served in World War II. And when they came back, they were in the band for the Grand Ole Opry. Oh,
0: my god. Wow. Yeah.
2: And, Dad, you never told me this was the York Brothers. I just didn't have any idea. And um, one of the recent trips that my husband and I, uh, Jack and I, made to Nashville, we went into – a record store there on on Broadway and uh there in the stacks of CDs was a CD recording of the York Brothers. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> Which I had to buy, of course. Um but you know the so the brother duos, you know if you google that, you'll yeah. come up with some of the the people who were recording back then. But you know, and now I, my dad's been gone 11 years so I can't ask him about these gentlemen, but you know, <laughs> I still have uh, thanks to a, another friend of ours, um, a tech person, I gave him my dad's 45s, uh, had to be 15 years ago or more, and he transferred them to a CD. So oh, nice. I have them. They're pretty scratchy, but <laughs> I do have these recordings of, of these songs of my dad and his band. So so that's how, that's where I think, I mean, I just say it's ingrained. Ingrained. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, something really clicked when I walked in the door here. Yeah, 1986.
0: It seems like that—that's the case for a lot of people that either previously have been involved here or are currently involved here. Is like it's a really homey feel.
2: Yeah, I have to say that uh, you know we've done some. So Godfrey's is supported by a membership program, much in the same way as public radio and public television. Sure. Um But so in some earlier membership drives. Um, we, you can't really cold call a membership drive. People have to be in the room and experience it, and that's when we get the return and the interest on supporting the club or when people have actually sat in the room and experienced a live concert. And it's it's magic. It's mind-blowing. It's fun. Um, and when you say people recognize something when they come in the room, mm. we've had Lehigh students come in for various <laughs> Uh, reasons like you know somebody will bring a group of freshmen in here and they walk in here and they're just like looking around and it's, somebody said uh, in one of these groups this is like a museum, you uh. know they really just sense the history, and uh, it's it's palpable.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a living space though, you know, like it's there's so much history like soaked into it, but it's a space that's very actively used, right?
2: Yeah. So, and it's been around for a super long time. (laughs) So one of the things that I noticed in 2000, the year 2000, that jumped out at me, um, Jay Unger, do you guys know who he is, Mm -hmm. Jay Unger? His daughter grew up and had a little rock band called The Mammals. Uh, They're also known as Mike and Ruthie, uh, Michael Morenda and Ruthie Unger, and um, so they had this new rock band. They were pretty young in their early 20s. And of course, they came and played Godfrey's. And from the stage, Ruthie described uh, being in the basement, which is the green room where the artists are waiting before they go, before they take the stage. But you can hear when you're in the basement, the ceiling creaks. (laughs) Uh, It's wooden, wooden floor. Um, And so you can hear when people are walking into the building and into the room. And she mentioned from the stage that that here being downstairs and hearing that sound took her right back to when she was five years old and she used to come with her parents when they were <laughs> playing here. And it just really was a kind of a time warp thing. Wow. for Wow. So I also feel extremely fortunate to be witnessing the full circle thing where totally artists from long ago or not so long ago, their children are playing on our stage. Tony Trishka's son is a drummer. He was just here recently with the band. Um, Ruthie is another uh, example, and also the uh, Carsey Blanton's bass player Joseph Plowman. His dad plays drums for um, Craig Thatcher, so he's been oh. here a number of times. <laughs> so we have that kind of thing going on, and that to me, that's like just as a mother, that is just the most touching thing <laughs> to see that happen, to witness that. I, that's, I'm rich. Totally.
1: How has the 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 change in country music over the last 30 years affected you <laughs> personally?
2: That's a good question. <laughs> it's different. Um but I've also, you know, I've read some about Nashville and even though it's always been known as Music City even going back almost 100 years, sure. it wasn't the country and western of the late 50s and early 60s that we that we knew uh, back then. And so it's all just, it's evolved. It's evolved, like everything. Sure. Um, it's certainly not uh, what I was listening to with my dad's music. And, um, you know, uh, artists like Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings. Totally. Dolly Parton. And look what Dolly's doing. You know, her start in the fifties and sixties and then or even as a younger girl and then you know her music is not country and western today sure. but she is still incredibly popular. Oh she totally. just she's one of my favorites. So
0: I'm assuming there is gonna there are going to be listeners who have not heard of Godfrey Daniels before um or aren't familiar with it. But what would you describe kind of the overall, like, genre of bands that come in here—is there a specific genre? Has it kind of grown to include other genres over the last few years?
2: So, Godfrey Daniels was modeled after uh, Cafe Lena, which is in Saratoga Springs, New York, and um, began as uh, what's known as a coffee house, and these coffee houses were. More popular in um, in New York City, Gertie's Folk City is one place, and uh, um, so Bob Dylan played Cafe Lena. Cafe Lena opened in 1960, so they're 60 years old, and they're like our big sister. I mean, we really, <laughs> and and it's true. Dave Fry, our founder, is from New York State, and he attended Cafe Lena, and that's when he got the idea. That's where he modeled Godfrey's
1: mm. after
2: um and cafe lena was actually in business for 20 years before becoming a nonprofit. cafe lena was a a for-profit uh club owned and operated by lena spencer and when lena passed away in 1980 all of the people in that community got together and did what they could to keep things going so yeah so folk music and uh (laughs) this has been a topic uh that many a round table, right in this room, what is folk music? So it's uh, you know, I think in the in in the early years, folk music was uh, might have been uh, a, a name that was put on somebody who was playing the guitar and playing traditional music. And uh, but we like to see it as an umbrella um with a lot of music included, which is world music, Americana, which is more what's coming, what we consider to be. Like coming out of not necessarily Nashville, but Tennessee in that part of the world, Texas, um, jazz. and we've blues, electric blues, acoustic blues, singer songwriter, um, gypsy jazz. And I think we've we've had a lot of different kinds of music here. we We do have yet to uh, cross over into hip hop or punk, <laughs> but we're considering that um. Opera we've had opera on the stage, really yes, huh. from an opera company down toward Boyertown and it was a you know like a private uh, a, a woman who had students and they they performed opera and they needed a venue, so they came and sang at Godfrey's and it was mm-hmm. incredible so we consider that to be music folk music under the folk music umbrella um. Folk music is music of the folk, (laughs) not just hippie folk. (laughs) All all the folk. All the folk. So, folk music of the folk. (laughs) The F word, folk. (laughs) Many a conversation like, what is it? Should we stop calling ourselves a folk music club? (laughs) Not sure. Oh, I like that,
0: like music that the folks want to hear. Yes. What, what What's the music that the folks yeah. want to hear? <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> I, so actually one of the things I wanted to ask, and I know the answer, but everyone might not is where did the name Godfrey Daniels come from?
2: That came from uh, a euphemism of W.C. Fields. So in the early days, in the early years, uh, Godfrey's showed films here. Um, and some, some old reels and some of which were W.C. Field's hmm. films. And that was uh, something, of course, in his time, no profanity was <laughs> recorded in movies a long time ago. So he would, you know, that's how he would swear. Godfrey Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a big picture of W.C. right over there on that wall hmm. coming inside the door on the left. With his top hat, <laughs> and timely, um, our music community suffered some pretty big losses this past week. One of them uh, was Bill Staines, who's been coming to Godfrey since 1979. He's toured for 57 years, um, crisscrossing the country, so he was at it for 15 years before he started coming to Godfrey's.: so. Wow. And he was still coming, and his picture is on the wall of upcoming right now because he was due here in February. Um, But uh, cancer caught up with him, sadly. Um, And then the other person is a wonderful writer by the name of Scott Alaric, who came from the Midwest and landed in Boston. He wrote for the Boston Globe. That was the majority of his career. Mm. He helped with his articles and Arts and music articles. He helped launch the careers of artists who come through here, singer-songwriters. And he uh, was not ill. He passed away unexpectedly last week. Uh, we got the news on Saturday, and he gifted uh, Godfrey's. He actually uh, was a singer-songwriter, and he performed here many times in the seventies and eighties. And he was quite good at performance, and storytelling, and connecting with the audience. Uh, he gifted Godfrey's with a postcard that was signed by W.C. Fields. Oh, my God. What? And it's framed wow. out there. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, it's, uh, as Dave Fry calls it, it's a cuff link on the big giant hand that's on the wall in there that that points into the room. It's, it's, it's hanging up there. Oh, so, my gosh. So, you know, connections from yeah. long ago. So, yeah, that it's was a cool. pretty big pretty big deal, and we, we were happy to, to receive that gift from Scott. He mm-hmm. has written two books. Um, one of them is called Deep Community, and it's uh, just a collection of stories about uh, the artists who, on the folk music circuit, I'll say, most of which made their stop in here. Um, and then, more recently, a novel, uh, which we have a copy of it out there, too, signed by Scott, so an amazing friend and supporter of countless people. Big loss. So W. C. Fields made me think of that. Mm. Yeah, that's what a cool
0: story to have a piece of him like permanently in yes. the space too. Yeah. That's really neat. Yes, thank you. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I want I want to hear a little bit more about some of the stories of of what's on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure okay. each one has their own. Um,
0: Maybe everybody can pick pick one or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So
2: this collection of framed photos comes from uh, another person who's gone for a number of years, and he was a, a volunteer, and he also sat mm. on our board for a number of years, Peter Bitis. Um And he was in here with his camera and his ball cap for many years. He emceed <laughs> a lot. One of One of the things that I remember about Pete that, Uh, I think is really funny is we'd have a bunch of people waiting inside until they were going to be let inside the room. Once the sound check was done and he would stand there as big, imposing, tall, big guy. And he would, and then he would say to the room in general, okay, everybody line up alphabetically by zip code.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness.
2: (laughs) So, but he was, uh, he had a good eye with a camera and so many of these um, frame photos are, Are gifts from Pete's estate. When he Mm. passed away, he had two two of of his friends uh, settled his estate and made sure that we got. That is Martin Carthy, a British artist whose frame photo is above the poster there of John Hartford. Um,
0: I love seeing, it's like a really great timeline. Like there's like just really awesome photos. Some newer than others and a great representation of like i, I keep i keep looking at the hairstyles so every time i'm in here i'm like like i'm like oh yeah that one's not from like last year or anything right <laughs> but that's like i always love looking at those when i'm yeah, in here yeah
2: so that maria mildower was here as part of our 40th anniversary celebration we wrote a grant for some extra funds to bring in some of the bigger names who don't play here anymore but who are part of the history. And Mm. Maria was one who came through that year along with Tom Paxton and John McEwen, Um, but she graciously autographed a poster, and that's a really – she's from (laughs) California, but she's got a pretty incredible uh, history, storied career, I'll say. I'm trying to remember the documentary I saw recently that she was in. Mm. In Doc Watson's hand up there on the guitar.
0: Thank you for there. not stopping it. That's Doc Watson's hand.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you
0: know that's. I was like, "Oh, there's what? Where? Oh, <laughs> oh poster. <laughs> he, he didn't. He didn't play here, but many of his
2: contemporaries did. Yeah. Um...
0: There's quite the collection of musical instruments in here as well. So those mm-hmm.
2: are gifts to Dave Fry from his visual artist mother over the Mm. years she would gift him with something every year at christmas and there's so so there's some really unusual uh foreign folk music Mm. instruments in here they're stringed um but i couldn't tell you the names of all of them is that the theme that they're all like stringed instruments i think it is for dave yeah Mm. yeah auto harps and there's a baseball bat on the wall oh that's (laughs) that has john gorka's autograph engraved on it (laughs) so a former fiance of his uh, because he's got the song do you know it no I don't when I grow up I'm gonna be a tree Um, in it is a line about uh, when the tree gets to be old and has to come down please take the wood and make a Louisville slugger (laughs) so Christine Lavin a well-known a singer-songwriter from New York City. They were engaged for a time, and she gifted him with that baseball bat. <laughs> and he donated it to Godfrey's when he moved out to the Midwest. You know, he's a Jersey boy. Um, but when he moved to the Midwest and started his, his life with his his wife and, and grew a family, both of his children I think are done with college now, but such a long history. <laughs> this pen and ink yes. is by Dick Boke who was the artist relations manager at Martin Guitar for decades. Oh, how cool. <laughs> uh, he's recently retired from Martin, but he remains a close friend of ours. Mm, to the club that's awesome. He, he gave that to Dave.
1: I see a lot of Martin's Guitar stuff around here. So
2: Martin, Martin <laughs> is uh, one of our two biggest sponsors. So, wow. Yes. Nice. I'm really curious about the two
0: hats with the man coming out of the one and the bunny on the other
1: one.
2: A Lehigh Valley ceramics artist. Her oh. name is Barbara Cozero.
0: Oh, I yeah. know, you know Barbara. I yeah. do. Yeah. She's a, she's a cellist in the Really Terrible Orchestra that I'm in. Sorry. She's a cellist is in that the, the really name terrible of the orchestra. It's yes, called it's the, the Really name. Terrible oh, yeah, Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. no, she's not being mean. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. It's literally called that. It's yeah. like all people who are retired or um just want time to play. That's not so structured. Right. Um, but they're actually, everyone's very talented. I don't know why they call it the really terrible orchestra just for fun. <laughs> um, but she's also a super talented illustrator too. Oh, I didn't, I
2: didn't know that. Oh my I gosh. Know her she is a piece at, Lehigh, at
0: Lehigh University oh, art galleries right wow. now. Yeah. But she's like, and wow. she plays a cello. She does it all. Um, Hi, Barbara.
2: (laughs) Well, and I mean, who had her for an art teacher at Nitchman? Yeah, neither of no, no. But I know a lot of people that have. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and did you see her work on dollhouses during the pandemic? Yes, (laughs) incredible. (laughs) So those are. Barbara's and she Hmm. donated them to the club and it had to be, they've been here as long as, since before I was here. So she probably gave them to Godfrey's in the 70s or 80s. So fun. Oh, my gosh. Good Um, pick. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Those are are Alice (laughs) in Wonderland (laughs) characters. I kind of Uh, of got the vibe. At least the bunny is. From the bunny. Yeah. Yeah. The one on the left kind of looks like a
0: magician or something. Yeah.
2: And he must be. Yeah. So, and there used to be, speaking of magicians, um, Mario Asera used to come here with his musical hmm. review, and we had um, um, a fire eater who used to perform on our stage. Oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. On your wooden um, stage. Oh, what everything's wood? <laughs> right, right. Barn, old barn wood came in here. The quilt. <laughs> I would like to talk about the quilt. Yes. because. Uh, One of my very closest friends made that quilt, and she had the idea to make it. um, That logo was pretty new in the very early 1980s. So that would have been around the, um, I'm sorry, early 1990s. So that would have been around the 15th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And she designed it, and then she quilted, her quilting stitches in it are music, and they are that's the music to John Gorka's song, Where Legends Are Made. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and um, yeah, and he wrote a song way back when, when he was smitten with artists like Stan Rogers. Um, and so that's just a little bit of Godfrey's trivia. Brenda Brown is the quilt artist. Her picture is framed right over there. You can see it, <laughs> um, it's under the turquoise and black poster. She's standing in front of the quilt oh, when it was brand yeah. new. Yeah. <clears throat> oh. That's another Dick Boke, the framed drawing that says has a Godfrey Daniels oh, in the yeah. arch. Mm-hmm. Dick drew that and gave Beautiful it to table.
0: us. Nice. So. Do you have a favorite piece in here?
2: <laughs> the quilt is the my quilt. favorite piece. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yes,
0: because yeah. yes. that was around the time when you kind of found found your spot here, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: that's yeah. very and cool. Brenda and I became fast friends, and our children grew up at the same time and Mm -hmm. yeah so Very very cool
0: so i have to ask if you have like any fun i'm trying to think we had a band a couple episodes ago reservoir hill um that ben had a great question about like tech malfunctions at concerts or like fun things, like fun stories from on the road or at concerts, but it doesn't have to be a malfunction or a bad thing. Um, But if you have like a favorite, like a favorite story.
2: (laughs) Um, So one that's kind of personal for me, one of the big names that came through here in the late 80s and early 90s was a gentleman by the name of Clarence Gatemouth Brown. And he came from Texas and Louisiana. He played the fiddle, electric guitar. Uh he was a quite an amazing artist, um and aged. He'd been around for a long time. And he was having trouble. I, I was volunteering at the time. I wasn't really helping to run any things or things at that point yet. But um one of the people who was, came to me and said, he's having a lot of trouble with his contact lens. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you could help him? And I think he needs help cleaning it and getting it back in his Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So I went down to the green room and and helped Gate Mouth get his contact lens cleaned up so so his vision wasn't blurry for the show. And that was (laughs) interesting. I mean, and he's one of the artists who pulled up here in a charter bus. Oh, right. oh my goodness. <laughs> right down 4th Street. Yeah, he's, he, he brought a really a real killer band and it's awesome. Um so that's that kind of strikes me as a funny.
0: <laughs> I one of the first stories you told me here was that you met your husband here, didn't I you? I did. <laughs> well, that's pretty big. Yeah. Uh, so that was in 2007
2: and um, we had uh, booked in some singer-songwriters from or from Nashville, and these were, these were writers who had songs that were big on the charts with Faith Hill and that tier of artists. Mm. So they would talk about how they would call it their Faith Hill swimming pool or their Faith Hill roof on their new house, <laughs> that kind of thing. But for them to be playing their old, own songs themselves uh, was pretty unique for the club to have a a group out of nashville and there were i think there were four artists but uh, jack ended up meeting some uh a a woman uh, here and i knew harriet from from many years before because she brought several she was a manager and she brought some artists to godfrey's and and they were also meeting a couple who i had just met but who have since become very close friends of mine, Ed and Donna Land uh, of Landhaven fame, from out in Berks County, they ran a venue out there too for a number of years. But um, Harriet got Jack to drive out here. He was living in Kempton at the time, and she introduced us. And whew, yeah, <laughs> so and it took over a year before we actually had an official date, but we did see each other <laughs> a lot in that year, just uh, at music events and stuff like that. Mm. There was definitely a, a connection. Yeah. Well, Thanks. yeah. Thank I, you I guess so you're married now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that was that's a
0: sweet story. Thank yeah. you for asking. I do like that story. <laughs> yeah, so he
2: he's got a, you know, he's got a band and he he plays here a couple times a year and mm. Yep. Wonderful. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. So I yeah, I would like to mention uh the connections and the yeah. art scene in the Lehigh Valley, because that has changed quite a bit since mm. I landed here yeah. in the 1980s. Um, there are a lot of collaborative efforts and, and um, just for Godfrey's alone, I know there's a lot more out there, but for us, we collaborate every year with ArtsQuest at music fest. They, they let us program a stage. Mm. We call it Godfrey Daniels day. We raffle off a Martin guitar, and it, it's in uh, the Sun Inn Courtyard, so that's a lot of fun. That's awesome. We collaborate with the Celtic Cultural Alliance, which is also the Celtic Classic Festival. We are dark on that festival weekend because we can't sell any tickets when there's something <laughs> that beautiful going on right across the river. Um, so we've been closed just for almost the life of that event. But on the Thursday before the event, we have what we call the Celtic Classic Preview. And it's typically the Glengarry Boys. <laughs> Unfortunately, they could not get across the border this, this past September. Mm. Uh, we almost rejuvenated that for this year, but 2022 for sure. Um, we collaborate with Touchstone Theater. WDIY is our media partner. Um, we have the Lehigh Valley Charter Arts uh, High School in here for Charter Arts Thursdays. About once a month, it was more frequent before the pandemic, but right now we're doing it once a month, and hopefully we'll um, be adding some dates for the next school year. Uh, Something fun that we're doing with them. This year it's new. We are having a songwriting competition with the Charter art students, and what happened is uh, we give away this Martin guitar every year, and one of our big donors uh, who always buys a chunk of raffle tickets won the guitar this year. And they don't play guitar, so they donated it back to Godfrey's and specifically mentioned that perhaps a student from the Charter Arts High School could use a Martin. So we developed this uh, songwriting competition. We have um, a panel of four judges Ann Hills, whose daughter is an alumna of the Charter Arts High School, Brittany, Tr- Brittany Trambaugh, who is a, an alumna. Do you know Brittany? Mm-mm. Brittany Ann? Um, and then Alex Radis and Jack Murray, who also were uh, involved in the songwriting workshop that we did with Festival Unbound a couple of years ago. Awesome. So that's our panel of judges. And uh, the prize is going to be that Martin guitar. Oh, cool. Oh, and awesome. it's developed further in that Ann Hills has um, a guitar that she's donating that she doesn't use. And Jason Reef of Freestone, uh, Studios is donating uh, a studio recording stash- session oh to gosh, the third prize winner. Wow. So Martin is a sponsor, and um, and we're just really excited about that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's huge. Something that's, you know, so there are these connections out there. It's not totally. all in the room, and once upon a time it was. But, um, you know, just with – I I say with the influx of – residents to the lehigh valley people who have moved here to work maybe they started businesses maybe they came because their corporation came here um they're seeking art and that is how uh, godfrey's has developed more that's how a publication like fig has come to be um so that's just i think per capita the Lehigh Valley has more arts organization and events and opportunities <laughs> than many I
0: think you're mm. right places totally. in the
2: in the United States. Totally, I know. You know, every small town has its little bar band, but but <laughs> there is something very rich here. In fact, I researched this when Godfrey's was turning twenty five years old. Civic Little Theater goes way back. Mm. Um, there's all these really old long time art state theater in Easton is another one. Yeah. Um organizations that go way back. And you know, Godfrey started in seventy six. Well music fest started in eighty two or three or four. Mm -hmm. And Celtic Classic started in eighty eight. So these those are those are two of the biggest festivals of their kind in the country. And Mm -hmm. they happen here in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. So it's um it's huge. It's and we're rich here in the Lehigh Valley to to live here and to have these opportunities. Absolutely. Totally. Agree.
1: Totally. <laughs> we were talking about that a little bit earlier today. Yeah. About we were. how <laughs> how rich the art scene is here in the Lehigh Valley. It's amazing.
0: And yeah. Yeah. It really is. There's so many like hidden pockets too of stuff that it's like once you find it, it's amazing. But how do you find it? <laughs> well, it's yeah. out there. I mean, I know
2: there's a, a scene over in Allentown mm-hmm. I hear about. I, I don't Usually go to Allentown, but <laughs> Easton is starting to d- develop a little bit more, and they've yeah. got a couple of venues over there, and we're just, we're really fortunate. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: It's it's not typical that outside of New York and L.A. you would find a place that has an art event going on seemingly every single day of the week. Right. And most days you'd have to choose which one you want to go to because they're all happening at the same (laughs) time. exactly, exactly. It's really, it's incredible.
2: And it's developed and is a result of people seeking that out. Totally. And they want to be involved and they want to volunteer and they want to be part of it and do what they can to help it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. help it grow. So super fortunate we are.
1: Totally. How have you seen the music scene in the Lehigh Valley change over the past two years?
2: So I've just seen a lot of, uh, how can I say this? Um, It seems to me that, I don't know why or how, but people, there are more musicians. And I don't know if it's because there are more opportunities for them to, you know, more places for them to play Mm -hmm. or... Um, or if it's the other way around, where there's more who need and want a place to play. Sure, and, sure. And I wish we could do more here, but then these places are opening as a result. Yeah. And, uh And there are there are the little pockets like the mm-hmm. Southside Arts District, mm-hmm. promotes and supports the music scene, and a place like you know Molly's across the street will have live music. And um, there's just there are places I think at every level. Totally. And you have, we've got the Charter Arts High School, and we've also got some really good um, music centers, music yeah. teaching yeah. centers. Yeah, absolutely. That are outside school. Yeah. Where you know, and, and the young people want to to be making music.
1: Yeah. So and even cool. with school, I mean, Moravian has an incredibly well-respected music program. Yes. Yeah. Which brings a lot of people in right. the area.
0: Ramona, if people want to check out what's coming up at Godfrey Daniels or are interested in getting involved, uh, where can they find
2: that? Our website is godfreydaniels.org, and we're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a weekly email list, and I would invite anybody to sign up, and then you get this right in your inbox once a week, what's coming up and what's going on. Um, so if you go to godfreydaniels.org, There is a button for the Gazette. That's our weekly Gazette. (laughs) If you click on that, it asks you for your information, email address, and all of that, and you can get signed up. That's awesome. Great. And
0: you can also go super old school and come peek in the window. Godfrey Daniels is located on South 4th Street in uh, Southside Bethlehem, Pennsylvania.
2: Yes, we're right between the Fun House <laughs> and Alexandria's Bistro, the diner next door. So Awesome, awesome. You guys have
1: a and block here.
2: Yeah. We do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. When uh, Arts came to the south side with WGIY and totally. when ArtsQuest moved into the banana factory in the 90s and l- lesser known, well, Déjà Brew, he's, he's mm. really got something going on over there. But, yeah. but lesser known. Um, At the other end of the block, well, Touchstone is over here. And Touchstone, by the way, opened up in the very late 1980s. So they've been around a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a magazine started by Pete Seeger across the street from, can't tell me hardware down there, called Sing Out! with an exclamation point. Um, It has closed in recent years, but they were, it was a, mm, Quarterly, pu- perhaps in the early years a monthly, but quarterly publication, and it was a um, a resource center. So with recordings, printed music, uh, history, folk music history, mm. and um, that that was also part of the South Side, even though it was not very well known. But yeah, yeah. Pete Seeger, everybody <laughs> knows who he is, right? <laughs> yep. He started he started this magazine in the fifties, I think. Oh wow! Wow. So, and it was actually uh, husband of Ann Hills, Mark Moss, who was the executive director of that printed piece for many years. And so cool. if you see a copy of it somewhere, yeah, pick it up because <laughs> totally. they're not printed anymore. <laughs> so
0: That's awesome. Well, Ramona, thank you so much for your time this evening and for letting us come and record in the space. You're we really welcome. really appreciate it. I'm so touched <laughs> to be here.
2: With all three of you, thank you very much. <laughs> Best of luck with your uh, your podcast. It's real exciting, and I can't wait to let everybody know about it. Thank, <laughs> you. thank you,
0: and vice versa. <laughs> thank you.
2: <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, a Steel
0: Pixel original series. Don't forget to like the podcast, leave us a review, and follow us on both social media and streaming services at Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast.